We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Jack Manuel here for another Brooklyn Buzz and another Nets loss. The Nets go down to the Oklahoma City Oklahoma City Thunder, one twenty-four to one hundred eight. And um, you know what? I'm going to start with the positives. Let's we're, we're in the new year, at least down in the Southern Hemisphere. Maybe some of you guys will be listening to this in 2024. So let's start with some positives. That first quarter was some of the best basketball I think the Nets have played all year. Now, the opening possession ended in a shot clock violation. I'm like, oh God, here we go again. But there was ball movement. There was efficiency. There was purpose in getting to the line. Bridges was awesome. Cam Thomas came in and was giving him a real spark offensively. Then it's driving the ball. There was passing, ball movement, player movement. There was some nice lineup combinations from Jacques Vaughn. You know, Dennis Virginia, Cam Thomas, Mikael Bridges, uh, Royce O'Neal, Daron Sharp. That was just a really nice sort of combination. And the Nets were just playing quality ball all around. You know, the, uh, the Nets started at another three from Bridges. Nets started, yeah, the Nets started six or seven from the field. You know, to get an 18 to 8 advantage. And I'm just like, okay, don't get caught into this. I think I, I sort of tweeted out. And then uh, I did. And the Nets ended the quarter still, you know, with an advantage, 36 to 33. And you're like, okay, well, the the Oklahoma City Thunder are one of the best teams in the NBA, let alone in the Western Conference and, and away from home for the Nets. You still think that the Nets are, are going to be doing some stuff. So, you know, we head into the second, you know, the there's a couple of good moments here or there but ultimately the nets get outscored 26 to 20 and they're just it was a bit of a slog all round you know the nets were four of 14 from the field you know to start the quarter they just couldn't generate anything offensively uh, and that trend really sort of continued into the to the third dfs had a really nice sort of pump fake and dunk i thought his game was all right overall you know Clax was was showcasing a lot of his rebounding abilities. The the Thunder are, are an awful rebounding team, so Clax really uh, made them pay on that end of the floor. But this was this was tweeted out by a Doug Norrie of Locked On Nets, and you know, we saw that Cam Thomas exited with two minutes, six minutes left in the second quarter with sixteen points, and he didn't return. So halfway through the second, the Nets are struggling for offense. 
their best, most efficient offensive player, who I think was 6 of 10 from the field for his 16 points, didn't come back. And this was the explanation from Doug Norrie, and I will preface this. He said he didn't agree with it. Um, and he said, Cam Thomas's minutes seemed to align with avoiding SGA as much as possible. There was over, no so, so specific overlaps here or there. Now, the Nets shot like 62% in the first quarter and then 25% in the second. I just... I don't understand the rationale of Jacques Vaughn at all. Like, at all. I, I just think... Now, I don't want to get pigeonholed into being CT-obsessed, but this was, like, plain for everyone to see. It was as, like, the windows have just been shined. You've just got a new pair of glasses. The contacts are all shiny and good. What the hell is going on? The way that Cam Thomas was managed throughout this game, let alone many other games this season was blatantly awful, like blatantly awful, with a capital B and a capital A. I just don't understand when you ha- uh, are struggling to create a level of offense and you have a really young, budding player who has a lot of offensive talent and you choose to go away from him despite the fact that Cam Thomas, when he's in rhythm, can really give you scoring in bunches. And the Nets, like, severely lack scoring. In the second and third quarters, they scored 43 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder's 56. And they didn't get much better in the fourth either with 29. Now, some of that's junk time, etc., etc. But I just don't understand it. Like, I'm struggling to come up with the rationale. And I'll keep an eye on on Twitter as I'm, because I'm doing this right after the game seeing if there are any quotes about or there are any questions around Cam Thomas and his game management th- throughout this game. But I just, I don't understand how Spencer Dinwiddie can get 36 minutes, 4 of 13 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3 at, at, at 13 points, and Cam Thomas gets 26, 10 less minutes, and he started 6 of 10 and then went 1 of 8, I think, something around that sort of range. And that was because he was taken completely out of rhythm. Like, I, I, I just I, I just don't get it. it. It feels like there is a different set of rules or a different set of standards for Cam Thomas compared to Spencer Dinwiddie, Dennis Smith Jr., Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, whoever else it might be. It's just like, now you guys can make some mistakes. I, and, and for me, I don't think there even was. Like, there was some defensive fouls and some defensive lapses from from Cam Thomas but Spencer Dinwiddie is as bad if not worse than Cam Thomas this season on defense and that's saying something because Spencer in the past has shown some moments on defense as a Brooklyn net I'm not saying this year but I'm saying in the past he has size at the guard position but Cam Thomas is at least showing engagement and effort which is I think more than we could probably say for Spencer Dinwiddie like Spencer Dinwiddie shooting like barely above 39% from the field barely above 32% from three. Like, what is the decision-making to... uh, I get starting DFS. I completely agree with that. I think Spencer Dinwiddie should be freaking benched for for Cam Thomas. Like, I think Billy Reinhardt, and I retweeted this and advocated for it, or, or just agreed with it, sorry. The fact that the Nets are now on this recent stretch of being bad and not fun... It, it, it makes it like 
it one makes it really hard to sort of like do podcasts let alone do solo podcasts i know nick did a, a fantastic job after the last game speaking quite eloquently about the direction of the team and, and where it currently stands i'm probably going to do a little bit less than that i'll be probably a bit in my feels and not provide the level of objectivity and level-headedness that uh, my guy nick does but in saying that i i this cam thomas thing is getting out of hand now like what is the it, the direction of this team seems to be rudderless and at the very least you can inspire a bit of enthusiasm from the fans by playing a young player who's got a lot of talent who's shown a lot of promise this year and in game and in years past but you choose i just really don't know like this game probably more than any other like i get in certain stretches i in an in an objective world, I get sending Cam Thomas to the bench because of the balance and because of th- that Spencer and Cam just don't work together, despite the fact that Jacques Vaughn continued to play those two together tonight in so many different combinations. I just didn't get it. Again, I credited him earlier for playing a, a lineup which I think maximized Cam Thomas's strengths, playing some defenders around him, some shooters, some ball handlers, but... <sighs> um, I-, I think we should just go to a break, guys, and after the break... Maybe there'll be some more Jacques Vaughn talk and some more game chatter, but man, uh, happy new year, everyone, and join me after the break for some more Nets chat. Now, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, I guess we should go to Mikel Bridges for a little bit. He started the game like a house on fire. And then the house remained on fire and we couldn't blow it out because it, it, Mikel Bridges, I think, went like 0 of 8 after, and then like hit a layup you know, in the third or fourth. It was it was just a, a game of like, if you just watch the first quarter, you're like, damn, this is Mikel Bridges from latter points last year, that 27 points per game on really efficient scoring, driving, hitting the three ball. And then beyond that, it was like, this is a completely different player. This is the player that has been struggling, has been up in his head a little bit, hasn't been as purposeful. And I think it's emblematic of the team overall. Like he's one of the team's leaders, one of the team's best players. And when he's playing like this, or when he played like the last three quarters like that, then it, it just, the, the, the wheels fall off. You know, he had seven assists tonight. I actually have in my drafts. I'm not sure if I am going to tweet it out eventually, is that his playmaking is the one thing that I have seen from him that's improved this year. Like he had some nice probing sort of plays and he looks through his spots, but then he has the the awareness and the reads to make the kick out passes to guys for three or to guys that are cutting. Like that's something that I'm, I'm going to fully give Mikhail Bridges credit for. Like 
I think some people might get the wrong idea that I'm maybe too down on the Nets and I'm a bit irrational, but you know, I, I feel how I feel. I'm, I'm I'm invested in this team, but yeah, and I'm invested in in Mikael Bridges as well because I think I know what his potential. We've seen the the stratosphere, the highest of highs with him. Now, I'm not saying we've seen the lowest of lows. I don't think he's been like an awful player, but he's been a negative player in a lot of stretches because of his lack of defensive execution, which has been you know a real highlight of his overall career but not this season as a Brooklyn Net you know his three-point shooting is an area that I was really um, promised to sort of see you know he's he missed like some just really easy corner ones tonight you know he hasn't taken many of those sort of pull-ups other than that first quarter where like he was just just shooting them and and not really thinking tonight he just yeah the it was a it was a game of two halves or a game of one quarter and three quarters for, for Mikael Bridges but yeah hopefully just you watch the tape from the first quarter and you go maybe you just ignore some of the things from the last three and go this is what you can do this is what you can be and you just hopefully he starts to, to put things a, a bit more together and we get some more consistent stretches from Mikhail rather than quarters by quarters but Nick Claxton tonight you know 37 minutes 5-11 from the fear 5-10 from the free throw line they started going hacker clax which was dumb uh, i don't get it uh 16 boards including six of them offensive five assists a steal a block including like a wild highlight where he blocked josh giddy and then was looking like Giannis in the open court you know crossovers and like the handle looked clean as hell uh for his 15 points so had a nice 15 to 15 for him but i think overall from clax is the efficiency hasn't been there like last year he was like a league leader in 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 field goal percentage now like we're starting to see now I don't know if it's his confidence, his execution, his, his whatever, but those sort of little floaters, the left hand, the right hooks, the left hooks, just have been falling in and out, and I don't feel as confident in him taking them either. Now, there's certain points in time where Clax goes on these little mini stretches and bursts where he looks like that efficient player. Now, I think the, the system in general isn't utilizing his strengths on both ends of the floor. I still think Nick Claxton is a very good NBA player. Do I think he's a 25 to $27 million player? Absolutely not. Do I think he's a 15 to $18 million player? Yeah. And uh, I guess in saying that, like there's trade chatter around him now. I just think that he's not at his best. And if we were talking about like trading Nick Claxton last year, you're like, oh, cool, let's get like all these pick back, picks back. You know, the Raptors were highly interested in him and I, I just don't know. He's not at the, the Clax City level. As I, you know, I'm always a big fan of Nick Claxton, but I don't think he's at the level that the high standards that I have for him, similar to Mikael Bridges, like two of your three, four best players not playing to their potential in a team that doesn't have superstar talent. It's just, that's just how it's going to be. And I guess it reminds me of the Jacques Vaughn quote before the game. Now, stick with me guys on this one. He said this, we need each other. I'm not a Hall of Fame coach and we have no all-stars on our team. So this is a collective group that has to play together on every single night and will continue to grasp that ideal. But that's the challenge for this group. Now, it was interesting. It was literally like a lot of people were like, this is great. Like this is the forthright sort of Jacques Vaughn that we sort of need. And other people were like, no accountability. I was like, somewhere in between, I'm like, oh, okay, um, that's a quote. It's, I think it's somewhere in between. Now, oh, he's obviously not a Hall of Fame coach. I don't think he's even in the top half of NBA coaches, to be fair. I think he's in the bottom... 10 and that's being being maybe slightly generous so to see that first quarter like it, it, I, I bought in 
I bought in probably a little bit too much and drank the Kool-Aid and it tasted good and then it turned sour. It turned sour for Jacques, it turned sour for, for the team overall. The game management for him was left a lot to be desired. The, the players themselves performed to varying degrees. I guess I'll get to the rest of the guys. Dorian finished with 3 of 13 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 6 boards, 2 steals, uh, sorry, 2 assists and a steal. Cam Johnson, 5 of 11 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. Like, the Nets were 12 of 46 from 3. 12 of 46. Now, they started, let me find it. I've got it in my notes here somewhere. They started 6 of 10, 60%. Things are great. The, the, the identity of the team was just like there. And it looked great. Like the Nets were getting out in transition and in semi-transition as well. Really pushing that sort of pace and generating offensive opportunities and putting the pressure on, you know, one of the better defensive teams in the NBA in, in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Then they go 6 of 36 beyond that. That's like 17% from three. Like it's it's just not going to work. Like overall, I think this was at around the late third like the Nets started 13 of 21 for the field then went like 16 of 60 like it's it was a tale of like as I alluded to with Mikhail like one quarter and three quarters like the Nets played 12 minutes of basketball and against a team as good as the Thunder it's just not gonna work just as, as simple as that so yeah and look when Cam Thomas was entered you know he was entered at 303 in the third so like nine minutes so he missed 15 minutes straight of of game time like it's nonsensical like i i just don't understand it by any stretch of the imagination like i i just making sense of nonsense is it just feels like what is the current iteration of the brooklyn Nets sometimes like what's the direction like wh- where are we as we we currently stand now you know the I think Nick probably summed it up best. Like, go listen to to his solo pod. I think he did a great job of that one. You know, Dennis Smith Jr. I think was okay tonight. I, I think he continues to be you know, a pretty positive player. I like the combinations of of him and and Cam Thomas together. Him and uh, I just the thing that it's weird. Like the, the Nets have three starting caliber guards. Dennis Smith Jr. Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas. But it feels like Cam Thomas gets given the shortest leash. Like or like and I don't like as I alluded to I just don't see the mistakes that he was making tonight like Lonnie, Lonnie Walker is waiting in the wings for the Pelicans and Rockets games he's, he's joined us on the road trip so hopefully he can join us soon provide that spark offensively that the Nets so sorely need so yeah I'll, I'll keep trying to find a, a few little things guys but I guess uh, I wanted to also point out Brian Lewis reported that the Nets the NBA is considering punishing the Brooklyn Nets after that roster controversy uh, against the Bucks now, uh, the, and I quote this from the article: "The NBA is reviewing the Nets' decision to field a threadbare roster against the Bucks on Wednesday." The Post has learned the league is determining whether it rises to the level of a finable offense. Now, like, I feel bad. I, I didn't give my like. T- I think I, Nick and I did give our thoughts in general, and I was more measured. But looking back on it and thinking about it, like if I'd paid for seats, and there was some really like not heartbreaking stories but frustrating stories from from Nets fans and look I, I think that as an as a fan and as a person who loves this team like I want and Jacques reasoning after the game left a, a little bit to be desired I th- and Bridges as, as well wasn't a fan of it either I think they should like I think it was like 25 grand I think is the number that's being sort of floated around but that was 
that set a like a, a standard of not incompetence, but like, does each game actually matter for a team that is building on this sort of culture of all one in, all in, radical transparency, X's in a like culture vibes, all that sort of crap to dismiss a game so like like blatantly is like it's it's ridiculous like the nets aren't you know the 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 celtics the 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 nuggets the the thunder for for that sort of in in that sort of respect like they need to make each game count and you know the nets pick is currently you know controlled by the houston rockets so like i just think that that set like uh the the like the wizards game was obviously blatantly awful the okc game might have been i don't think it was just as bad because like the nets had like 20 let me let me actually double check it because they had 100 field goals to the thunders 83 17 more field goals they shot 38 percent from the field mind you as well and they had 11 more free throws and missed uh, uh, 11 of them themselves so you look at all those stats and the nets should win this game but offensive execution defensive lapses allowing them the the thunder to shoot you know 54.5 from three and 54.2 percent from the field like you're not going to win a game many games i mean the nets should have it was just deplorable deplorable offense and some deplorable defense at different points in time but yeah the the general premise of where the nets currently stand is one that is not rosy like the nets are just average and look i'm comfortable with being average if there's some silver lining to that like you know i like there's not every team is gonna be the the best team in the world like i I, it's just you want to see some bright spots when things are are struggling a little bit so and yeah spencer dimwitty tonight okay so this was I found this quote, Jacques Vaughan tonight's loss to the Thunder. We did a lot of good things. It was just one of those nights that the shots didn't go in for us. Yeah, well, the shots went in, and then you had a guy where the shots were going in, <clears throat> Cam Thomas, excuse me, and you choose to go away from a guy that's putting the ball in the basket and continue to play crypto point guard Spencer Dinwiddie, who hasn't put the ball in the basket all freaking year. I alluded to his numbers earlier about being below 40% from the field, below 33% from three. Like... He's not a good offensive... He's a good offensive player in terms of his stability, playmaking, etc., etc. But he gets ball hockey, he makes bad decisions, and he's inefficient as hell. Like, the, it feels like there's a narrative, whether it's from Jacques Vaughn himself, that's like, Cam Thomas is the inefficient chucker, when it's Spencer who's the inefficient chucker. Yeah, just make that one make sense. Like, come on, man. Like, really? Really? Really, Jacques? Um, yeah, so, uh, Jacques Vaughn also did allude to the fact that Nets are 2 of 20 on corner threes tonight, so they got the right shots, they just didn't hit him, so he was right in saying that, I don't disagree with him entirely, I disagree with uh, him on a lot of other respects, I guess that's the, the way I'd put it, where the Nets currently stand, guys, you tell me, hit me up in the DMs, hit Nick up in the DMs, let us know your thoughts, subscribe to the Brooklyn Buzz and all streaming platforms, we appreciate all the support throughout the years, 
And hopefully 2024 is a big year for the Buzz and an even bigger year for the Brooklyn Nets. Happy New Year, everyone. Nets World. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.